Hello and welcome to the Oodcast. This is the third podcast in our uh, first series of six. And this time we're back to talk about the plan to the dead. There's me, I'm Chris, and I'm joined by Andy and Chris and Laura. Hello, Time Lords and Ladies. Hello. I was just, I thought that was really good. (laughs) (laughs) It made me laugh. (laughs) Isn't the picture beautiful in HD? Yes, it is. is. I mean, it's it's a bit of a double edged sword because some of the CGI, I think, particularly in this one, isn't up to scratch. And when you get pristine prints, some of that. It really shows up. Actually, some of the CGI is very impressive, but the monster, alas, because they have to do so many of them, each one is of a very low resolution, and it does look awful, which is sad when they are the threat. Where I think they make a, a lot of, they get a lot of the episode right because there isn't a credible threat, because they just look like <laughs> they just don't look scary mm, or real yeah, in any way or ever in the same. Yeah. Realize. Well, they don't even, even when they're up close, they seem like they're on a different, they're just superimposed on. I never believe that they're there. Um, and I think, unfortunately, that's something that really lets it down and is exacerbated in HD. Ooh, start with a negative. Mm. Did you did you say you liked this one or you didn't like this one, Chris? I really liked it. I'm enjoying it. I think it's a bit of a rollicking adventure. Mm. I think basically casting Lara Croft in it is quite a fun sort of thing to do. Bringing Unit back, all of that's great. But I'm just saying that in contrast, I think the old style B-movie fly aliens are awesome. (laughs) I think they should have had a much bigger part in it. I love that kind of fly in a boiler suit. That's just like classic Who. And they're even introduced by a... flickering monitor and just one claw pointing mm. at it and how many moments of my childhood watching of doctor who were the claw and the monitor screen that's such an image of of, of, of 70s who and inspector gadget yes <laughs> <laughs> well it's like the ood when we first see the ood all that way back on the planet of the damned or whatever it was called uh, the impossible the impossible planet, planet yeah we must feed <laughs> you if you are hungry that bit i've got to say the opening sequence of course like it was all just beautifully beautifully crystal clear and it made all of us go ooh. except for me i went ooh. <laughs> the opening sequence i found very very funny it really really reminds me of the wrong trousers <laughs> the bit <which laughs> i think it's meant to remind you of uh, <laughs> mission impossible, impossible. <laughs> now nah, it was the wrong trousers for me and uh as emphasized by her stupid running afterwards Ugh. after she's just done all this amazing wire, wire work and then they can't get the actress to run down a corridor convincingly. I, I did like the way when she got out of the building, she t- went back into her EastEnders character with her sorry lover and oh. ran off. That was very... It didn't seem... With the rest of it, it didn't seem to be in character. It was a bit... I had a few issues with the stealing the stuff because just having four armed guards all looking away from it the whole time, <laughs> it was just... Like, that was a bit weird. Yeah, <laughs> you know? But looking at the thing you're guarding isn't going to help you spot any threats coming from outside. No, it? no, but Good just point. having oh, physical people there. Mead. When, when, like, 
it's like video cameras haven't been invented anymore. No, we have to have people right there. And it was the big guns that got me, the big semi-automatic blimmin' rifles or whatever they were. I, I felt... The police don't have guns, but security guards do. Do they? Well, no, it was no, also that this wasn't like a special measure or a special loan. Apparently, according to the doctor, this cup had been there for ages. It had been there forever. So presumably they have these six or seven dedicated staff every night. For the whilst, last thousand years. Whilst London burns in the fires of social iniquity. Mm. Wow. Yeah. Anyway. That's coming from a London resident. So As if well you're thinking of visiting London soon, you might not want to. Because oh, you know, of the burning fires be... of iniquity. Well, social iniquity. Social iniquity is always going to happen where people don't pay for their oyster cards, isn't it? Telepathic paper works with oyster cards. Yay! <laughs> Doesn't make any sense. Woo! I knew there was a reason I was drawn to buying that in Forbidden Planet last week. I didn't, but I wanted to. The telepathic paper? Yeah. Would save me so a lot of money a year on travel cards. It is. It's gone up to £1.40 now. That's ridiculous. Here's an interesting thing. I bought a travel card yesterday, and the date that was printed out on it was in March. So even though I only paid £6.40, I now have a travel card that I can use every day until March. And you're publishing this somewhere, which means if someone from TFL hears you... Yeah, I know. But they're going to go, don't! Anyway, it's my version of psychic paper. That's why I mentioned it. I now have this. <laughs> you put it in a big black wallet. London is my oyster. Is that where that comes from? Do you think? Like yeah, the world sure. is my oyster. Of course it is. Yeah. Only just realised that. By the way, Doctor Who. Are you sure you didn't just buy a monthly travel card? No, just... it cost me six pounds forty. So if I did, nice. Then... That's a, that's for a day. Yes, from here to to London. Actually. Yeah, but it's and a three month for a one to four travel card. Mm, let me wow. know how that goes. I'm going to give it to Laura and cycling. Thank anyway, you, Doctor Who. Anyway, can I say another thing Who. I really liked about the opening few minutes? Doctor Who is eating a Thornton's egg. Mm. Did you like it or did you just want to show off that you knew exactly which egg it was? I just wanted to eat it. Well, it's a shame you weren't on the bus. <laughs> With David Tennant and a chocolate can egg. Can I just say, I love the little musical, I love the little musical sting where... You see the doctor's feet right at the beginning. I don't know why that jumps out at me, but it's that, I don't know, I think it's that sense of humour and um, this is going to be rollicking good fun about it. When and you and see also his feet that you're in the on the action, you know, yeah. you're kind of, oh, well, you know whose feet those are. Yeah. But why the heck wouldn't the bus stop if there are all these policemen chasing them? That's just ridiculous. Because she gave him diamonds. Yeah, yeah. I know. And he paid for it, didn't he? He was capricious and therefore died. Yeah. But they, they were diamond earrings, weren't they? And he, she closed his hand. That would have hurt, surely. Yeah. It would have. They weren't very big diamonds. No, but, but the, the spike was. I wonder when he got turned to a flaming skeleton if the earrings also carbonised with him. Because, <laughs> you know, diamond is a very hard, pure form of carbon. So maybe it didn't. That's true, honey. Little diamond earrings on the floor by if, the skeleton. If, if he'd have put them where the rest of the money goes, it's still on the bus. The uh, unit captain is actually wearing, seen wearing them later on, so she's obviously just kind of swiped them. That's not true. <laughs> Units are very trustworthy. Except when they're trying to kill the doctor. <gasps> yes, like they always are these days. Have you noticed that anything from old times has now become sort of evil and slightly less trustworthy? Unit, Time Lords. Yeah. Those, those two, mostly. <laughs> okay. Any of the old institutions. The master, seem to have become... he's all of a sudden become less nice. Yeah. 
Before he was just like slightly camp. Oh, I will get you, doctor. And now he's all, oh, never mind. Um, have, has anybody else noticed that Doctor Who licks everything? Or David Tennant licks anything he can... That's, that's just you wanting it to be the case, isn't no, it? No, everything he puts in his mouth. He's like, mmm, mmm, of silicon there. You're more sensitive to that than we are then. He does taste things, though, to work out. That's how he works out the makeup of things, isn't it? And that's, Did yeah. previous Who's do that? Can you remember Sylvester McCoy wrapping his tongue around some sort of alien probe? <laughs> what? That's uh, the kind of image no. you're never going to be able to unthink, <laughs> isn't it? Mmm, <laughs> mmm, salty. Mmm, Sontaran. <laughs> Actually, this is another thing. Who are the aliens? Because these guys really annoy me who are like... So called Dovro Fojo Blowbo. Jadoon. Oh, they're so annoying. Jadoon Platoon upon the moon. Hey, nice. Love that bit. That's very good. They'll be the only aliens that Luke would know. Then. No, no, he's never seen those. I thought That's Smith and Jones. Oh, Partners in Crime. Sorry. Partners in Crime is the adipose. Oh, That's so right. They are so cute. I tried to make a little fluffy adipose to give to Chris, but I'm rubbish at showing What happened to the merchandise? So Adipose. I you thought can there buy was them still. Can you? Yeah, you can. Yeah, somewhere. Oh, well, I want one. Are they well, like stress balls? So like squeezy balls? Is that how? No, they are? they're like plush things. They're stuffed. Oh, they're so cute. I want oh. one. Well, when when, when when Andy googles it later, he can tell you how much they are. Hmm. And I don't suppose you know by any chance where they did film this. Yes, I believe it was in Dubai. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I had to ask the others that, so uh, they're the clever ones. Okay, Dubai, eh? Oh, home of slave labour. Well, um, it's all got political. Yeah. Uh, I wonder if uh, Russell T. Davis really realised what he was uh, letting himself in for. There was a lot of criticism in the press, wasn't there? Well, yeah, it coincided with a lot of the financial crisis, didn't it? So he was, um, that people were complaining that BBC was spending far too much money. Hence the Icelandic banks yeah. joke. Mm. As and well. then there was also the case of the, taking the bus out there. They had to buy two buses. Because the first one, um, they shipped it over to Dubai and somebody dropped a container on it. <laughs> So Fortuitous, I must one. say. If I may no, just tick off one of my notes. It damaged it too much. It damaged it to such an extent that it was a really impressive effect on screen. No, they had to get a new one. No, they no, they used the one that was crushed. Did anyone notice on the side of the bus, there's a little advert saying, Neon, tomorrow's here. I was like, oh, tomorrow, today, oh, timey-wimey. Nobody else <laughs> Nobody got that. Right, okay, never mind. <laughs> nope. Is that a reference to the book, to Joshua Naismith's book in the end of time, which we haven't seen yet? We have seen it. We're not pretending we haven't no, right. seen them. Okay. <laughs> um, by the way, has anybody noticed when Unit got called, it was emergency code one and emergency code red? You know, like, there's got to be more things than one. What I liked about Unit being called was the men jogging beside the cars. <laughs> It, it, that's, that's why the way it took so long to get there that's how unit rolls it's like we'll we'll bust out all the tanks and humvees and big black tinted windowed cars but we'll also get some people to jog alongside just subtly there in case anyone attacks and, and it was the way at the end when they're trying to blow up these things in the sky and they've got the missile launchers launching missiles at these alien beings in the sky and there's a little man with a machine gun next to him <laughs> Even though you're standing next to a missile launcher, the machine gun still needs to be there. It's very strange. I love the line, gun. though, the, the captain going, oh, brilliant. Aliens I don't believe are susceptible. Work. Yes. <laughs> Just about the bus, I have to say, I think what, what RTD was going for in this was just like a, an iconic moment mm. and that 
crane shot of uh, when the Doctor steps out of the bus. Red London bus, massive alien desert, three suns. That's just a brilliant, iconic moment. Up, wide shot, bus, red bus. I mean, it's not a normal red bus, is it? It's one of the real classic ones as well. Mm, Yeah, it's not your general London bus. But then to go back from that shot... Right back to the sort of the heart of Doctor Who, so what is home, what does home, what does happiness mean? And that, the upset woman and uh, what's, uh, what's home? And she goes, Mike and Suzanne. I was like, oh, that's really quite touching. Yeah, there's a good Doctor speech, isn't it is, there? It's, it's a good link back to the other, or all the things we already know about the Doctors. His love of humankind comes really through with the way he questions them about what they're going to do. And he gets really excited about that. I'm well shocked there's a lovely halo moment where you see the doctor silhouetted against one of the suns and it also prisms through his hair as he's like gets really worked out about how you know you how sound, essential you always sound like me there oh doctor prism with his hair so spiky and stuff i was talking about the cinematography when i was oh, saying beautiful rather sorry. than david Tennant himself although I, I would happily go on record saying that david Tennant is a very beautiful man nope no one no, I no, I'll, 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 yes. I'll go with you. Yeah, he is. He is. is it David fun, Tennant. I, I haven't said anything, so yes, he's very nice looking. But hmm. okay, now moving away from that, amazingly, <laughs> um, I did quite like the whole sort of let's try and synops synopsisize. Let's let's cyberize. Let's cyberade. Let's condense the Doctor's persona into a few sentences that seem to happen here with the uh, the Michelle character sorry lady christina character D'Souza. Um, the way you stride around this place and stuff is yes, the very sense of ownership that a time lord has and yet he's not an owner because he chooses to sort of live in a very it's a very large estate open way oh yes it is a very large estate but it's not until the waters of mars where we see that ownership beginning to emerge in mm, nice a, link. a more yeah. concrete way uh i could see you did english literature whilst i did Something else. <laughs> Making Humanities. the links that I never make when I watch television. Uh, so brave choice to set it in a desert. There's no hiding effects when you're in bright sunshine the whole time. Mm-hmm. And I think it, that has uh, its downsides, as I've always said. I think that the swarm of monsters is awful. Really, really awful. But from a distance, it looks seriously, boo yourself, scary. Yeah, but then it comes up close and it's like a cartoon i don't i don't mind that because i remember the first time i watched that i just thought oh impending doom hell yeah i was worried for them i'm like oh my god get back in the bus already yeah i don't have so much of a problem with the low the low rendering image low rendering resolution of the monsters because they're there so briefly Mm. and there's one bit down at the bottom of the shaft where she's getting the crystals and you see its eye blink just one little moment there and you think oh actually that's quite scary oh i don't agree i think that bit down there was rubbish <laughs> but that wasn't that part before it started moving properly that was a puppet not a no it was never a puppet that was because you could see like the little nope. flangey bits inside the exoskeleton moving i was like oh that's scary they can do that with cgi um speaking of cgi in the episode that was excellent the fly ship was oh, fantastic because yeah. yeah, the was. actual back part of the ship. I don't know if anybody's looked very closely at the abdomen of a fly, 
with all the little bristles on it and how they'd made the various different probes and mm. and yep, I was tendrils the same of the thing. ship yeah. look like the bristles on the abdomen of a fly. I thought, nice, nice design there, guys. I thought that was grand. And the classic fly eyes view. And the fact that they eat poo. Brilliant. <laughs> they eat poo. You can't get better the than that. The things you leave behind from then, their behind. And then the elements of the story that you have to fill in because of the lack of language translation. Like, thank you. Yes, I am. Frequently. <laughs> Brilliant. Oh, I love that. One of my issues is the the character of Christina. I just, I didn't really like her. Through the whole thing, I just, I, even the second time round, I still didn't really like her at all. And I still, I don't see a great deal that she brought to the story. I know she pulled the crystal and the, the Yeah, well, she brought two things, but... didn't she? She basically brought the way out. She She got the crystal and she had the cup. I, I mean, think... Andrew obviously fancies a bit because yeah. he kept going every time we saw the bottom. <laughs> oh, yeah. one for the lads. I said, I said the that there. once. <laughs> and that nice was an objective buttocks. criticism of some camera It work. wasn't criticism. You, you are making it sound like he's a bit more alpha male than it was a shot for the chaps, was what he said. So are you saying that she thought she was maybe a bit too sort of I don't, arrogant and pushy and so on and so She'd forth. She'd wandered in Possibly. from another game, <laughs> from a game. Yeah. I, I think, to be honest, she was more of a barrier and a hindrance than she was actually to kind of advancing the plot. She was a member of the aristocracy, remember this. Well, yes. The problem but, I have with her is that she is a thief and she, by her own unapologetic. admission... unapologetic. about the way she just goes around pleasing herself. She just wants to steal stuff for the thrill of it. Which is a bit unprecedented for a Doctor Who companion. And the fact that at the end, the Doctor um, doesn't admonish her. He gives her her freedom. What do we think? Is that a good thing or a bad thing? Well, he says he disapproves of the theft itself and then adds that he can't cast too much a judgment on her because he, of course, is a thief himself. Which which is, incidentally, um, I think I'm right in saying that's the first time he mentions that he stole the TARDIS. In the new series. In the new yeah. series, yeah. But isn't there a difference between him stealing a TARDIS, which is probably something the Time Lords had loads of? No! Are you mm. kidding? Of course mm. it's not. Or, or well, right, gold cups. There's probably quite a lot of gold cups as yeah, well. Yeah, but isn't there a difference? He stole the TARDIS because he wanted to, to do gold. Good, whereas she still stuff no, to make he didn't, her rich. He didn't, I wouldn't say he wanted to do good when he stole it to begin with. I think he just wanted to explore. Mm. I think the doing yeah. good was a byproduct of seeing what he found. Because until he left, he would have known what the universe I th- was I like think, anyway. I think we'll find mm. out in, in a, a couple of episodes' time that the reason he stole his TARDIS was because he was bored of life on Gallifrey. It's all, it was all ceremony and, and traditional living it was nothing exciting for somebody who wanted to go and explore so that's why mm. he did it which is a huge difference from somebody who goes around nicking stuff to make it's herself the same rich. thing isn't is it, it? It's, it's a choice of lifestyle it's not to get a gain it's to to stealing, get a different stealing game. but oh, yeah. we should add at this point that the time lords did make him a gift of the tardis you know, it is rightfully his now. It was yes. only stolen at the beginning. <laughs> to start with. <laughs> he has made amends. He has become the leader of his entire planet at one point. You know, I think he, he he's made, it, made up for it later on. I think possibly something that jarred a little bit during this episode for me was the very, very strong separation between Earth and the planet. Initially, when you had the quick cuts and transpositions back between the police officers staring in utter bafflement at the tunnel and the people in the desert. 
that was quite effective. But later on, it was a complete change of pace every time he went between Lee Evans shouting at the telephone and who I thought was pretty good though as as much as he usually does and talking about Normans and gobble sticks and things and And the quater mass experiment oh nice one matey and the giant robot and pizza Geronimo (laughs) that Um, wasn't him no that wasn't the Evans but it was still a earth moment wasn't it and then the the very different atmosphere of the dead planet but I don't know it felt a little bit too much like oh here is the comedy relief well, well, that's fine. I, I like that. So it's part of the, it's a big Easter fun romp. Uh, I, I, I was all right with that. What I was not all right with was the science of it, like the whole wormhole thing being generated by loads of things flying around very fast. And then, oh, look, we've got some gold. That's lucky, oh, isn't it? Yeah, the, the how does clamping a bus and then putting something on the steering wheel make it fly? Yeah. Thing. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah. We did, we did, in fact, during the episode begin to dissect this and uh maybe we should reenact it <laughs> uh, of course the bus takes off and uh andrew goes what's propelling it fun <laughs> <laughs> but he, d- he does explain why it's got off the ground yeah in the script he says it's because they're anti-gravity clamps but uh, yeah but not propulsion is a different issue. i mean it is but i mean if you want to if it if it lifts something off the ground, it's got to be able to send some sort of force downwards in order to make the bus lift into the air. If there is another thing on it that allows it to exert that force in another direction, then it should be able to move in another direction. I mean, you can create some science around it if you want to, but I think Laura's right in saying that actually fun is fine, as far as I'm concerned. I mean, you'd have to be really, really you know, quite a pedant to start wanting to create, you know, it's the science doesn't work because you can't travel between worlds and you can't travel in time. So if you're in a world where you can, then you've got to accept that the laws of physics and, and, and science in general are elastic and, you know, talk about character and story. And there and was, in fact, like that, that moment earlier on in the fly spaceship where that really came home, was where the Doctor and Lady Christina are trying to explain what could have happened there. And uh, the doctor puts forward a theory, which is, of course, the usual scientific mumbo-jumbo, and they go, oh, no, that's ridiculous. And uh, we, we all thought that was quite... Yeah, it was no, almost like overhearing a script meeting between the writers. It was kind of like, but that's nonsense. Well, maybe. <laughs> One thing that I thought was quite interesting, the way they tried to inject a little bit of extra drama into the Earth scenario at the end, with the commander pulling oh, a gun yeah. at the scientist and telling him to shut down the wormhole. I've got to say, she was technically right. Yeah, but UNIT are incredibly ungrateful, aren't they? Yes. But <laughs> it's, it, that is quite... I mean, and not also, long-term thinking. But no, not at all. No. Trapping the Doctor in an alien world, if you think of the amount of times the Doctor saved the Earth, you can reasonably expect that he's going to save the Earth again. Mm. And uh, as we see later on, he does. If she had, in fact, shot... Uh, Lee Evans, then the world would have been destroyed several months later. Mm. So it's pro- probably pretty good that well, she Well, the world would have doesn't... been shot immediately because oh. he, of course, didn't know exactly how to fix it and the Doctor would have... Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, if, she'd, if she'd have shot him, would she have known to press F8? <laughs> and, and, <laughs> well, that's very good. And the 500 Bernards. Can I just say, we were having the moral discussion earlier about 
you know, who was right to do stealing under what circumstances. But I love the discarding of the crystals. Yeah. Mm. Though that was bothering me, actually, later I kept on thinking, why doesn't she just pop out the bus and, you know, grab it and sling it in her handbag? Well, it's an energy crystal. It doesn't mean it has any value on our planet. It was massive. It would have a huge value on our planet because there wouldn't be any others. So therefore it would be priceless. And the technology that could result from it would have been super as well. Maybe that's why the doctor chucked it away. Mm. Yes, yes. In fact, whenever I express surprise and delight, I think at any point in this series, instead of going, woo, I will go, woo. (laughs) So does anyone except Laura have any points to make? (laughs) Because I think it's been mostly Laura this episode. Here's here's my my... final point. I really like the last common bit. I like the whole, the the weight of the words and the prophecy in it. I really enjoyed that. Um, I hated her. I thought she was, every time she spoke, I just cringed. The ho- ho- it wasn't the actress particularly. That character with the slightly cryptic mu- run, musings. Run, run. I just, I could not mm. stand that character. And, and I always, I think, sort of in the back of my head, have a if I was showing this to someone to try and make them like Doctor Who, what would they think? I have that sort of critic in my head, and I would just say it, it was just very, very lazy writing that character just so he could stick in a prophecy at the end. Mm. And it didn't really add anything, didn't make a lot of sense. And it was just, oh, I just really did not like it at Mm. all. But for all that, the ending was the only bit for me that really actually made me kind of tingle. That To me, that was quite a nice dramatic moment and it sent a shiver down my spine. Well, that was the Mm. point of the character, though, to, to, to deliver that speech. But she challenges the Doctor at first as well, which is another moment that I liked. He sort of says, oh, it was just an accident. We were here at the wrong place and time. She says no, because she sensed it before his little gadgety machine did. Oh, that's the other bit I really loved. On the machine, uh, on the bus where he gets out the transpondifier <laughs> device and Barkley, the young boy, gives him this look like, what are you on? I thought that was a nice moment. I was half expecting somebody on the bus to start going, bomb, bomb threat. <laughs> I like that. I like that. I, the whole idea of the machine is very tenth Doctor. It's a very nice childish moment where he's got this funny machine, and he all he's really bothered about is the fact that his little dish isn't going round. And when it does, he's oh look, my little dish! Oh, it's going round. I'd love. I love seeing him with little gadgets that do things. Yeah, it's that sort of childlike joy, isn't it? Mm. That's quite good fun. Final thoughts, people. Um, I I enjoyed it. I didn't enjoy it as much as the next Doctor. Um, I, I thought it was a bit. To be honest, I thought the story was a wasn't enough for the length of time that it took. I thought it had a bit too much padding. I think two lots of aliens is probably too much for the one episode. But it was it was quite. I thought it was quite enjoyable. Some of it was quite funny, and it was just a good fun hours entertainment. I'll um I just uh, I think completely agree with my namesake on, on this one. It was a fun fairly forgettable episode with a few standout iconic moments and a few good lines um but nothing particularly outstanding but also nothing except for the psychic that was particularly cringy either just a a good mid-level episode obviously the first one to be filmed in hd and that was nice for me sort of techie point of view some of it did look very nice I'm going to disagree with Chris's I thought that there was definitely room for having two alien species both playing entirely different roles within the script. 
one of them is a perceived threat that then turns out to be an ally and the other one of them is faceless animal instinct of run um yeah i will agree that the supporting cast was not as strong certainly there were no leads that you could latch onto as strongly as you could in the next doctor but i did think that overall there was the same getting back to the core of what the doctor is about sort of home family companionship i felt it was a roaring rollicking fun easter upbeat ride I loved the idea of the creating the wormhole as part of a natural cycle and zipping through it and scavenging. Uh, that's a, a really good, strong sci-fi idea, uh, although I felt that some of the science behind it was debatable. Uh, but overall, it was it was a fab idea. Just not sure about some of its realisation. And I know that Chris Mead in particular did not like the um, the monster character, but from a from a biological perspective the design of it was beautiful just the way that the the way that they could travel through the air and the ripples along the side and also i don't know if anybody's ever read any sort of 60s asimov style sci-fi but really really emulating all of those sci-fi book covers of old so yeah i totally agree with andrew on that really plausible sci-fi idea yeah there's my thought there we are thanks for listening We'll be back with The Waters of Mars. Until next time, or last time. See what I did. <laughs>